Good morning, everyone. Again, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And of course, a very special happy Mother's Day to my wife, Alicia, there with our five kids. Thank you, honey, for doing such a wonderful job uh, shepherding our little brood. And again, blessings to all you moms, grandmas out there as well. This morning, we are going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. And so I'm going to give you a moment to grab your Bible because it really is a very special thing when we look at God's Word together by His Word physically in our hands. We're going to be talking about the body this morning. And so it'd be really great for you to get your Bibles out, open them to Romans chapter 6. We'll be looking at that, verses 12 to 14. Also, Luke chapter 9, and a little bit later at the end, uh, even a peek at Revelation uh, chapter 3. We are beginning this morning a two-part series on resurrection and the body, and specifically, what does it mean for us to experience resurrection in our bodies, both today, right now, and every day, and in the great hope to come, obviously the fulfillment of the Christian story. So this is a two-parter, again, on resurrection and the body. Our series, of course, is called Resurrection and the Life. And what we've been doing for the last couple weeks is looking out from the empty tomb. You notice that perspective. We're looking out from the empty tomb. And how do we live in the wake of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And specifically, what does it mean for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, and again, in the great hope to come? So this morning, hopefully you have your Bibles with you now. You're opening to Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. What we're going to do is I'm going to read it as a reading, so I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment for the reading of God's Word. Then we're going to dig through it a little deeper. I want you to really put our lenses on and see what this says for us today. And then I'm going to give you three ways that you can begin to experience resurrection in your body even today. Please stand for the reading of God's Word with your Bible in hand. It is Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. Let me pray before we enter into God's Word. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your Word that we hold in our very hands. And Lord, we recognize that this book is a very special book. It is the breath of God, the Word of God, protected by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit would amplify in us your truth today, that you're inviting us into your much bigger story than that which we live by flesh. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come alive in our hearts again this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies, to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, you may be seated if you're not yet. Thanks again for reading along with God's Word. Keep it in front of you because I want to dig into it a little more. There's a lot here, as we talk about sometimes, Romans can be a very dense cut of meat, so we want to dig into the Word a little bit this morning and just see what it says for us so that we can see how this is calling us to live resurrection in our bodies. The, The text begins with a therefore, therefore. 
Anytime a paragraph begins with a therefore, you have to go, well, what did they just come out of? Because whatever comes next, the therefore, means something happened before that, and he's saying on the result of that, here's what we do next. Well, what came before that? If you look at Romans chapter 6, it's really about the idea that resurrection happened to Jesus Christ, and it happens to us by faith. Dig into this, you start to see, like even in verse 6, it says, don't you know, this is verse 6 of chapter 6, don't you know that your old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed? And we might no longer be enslaved to sins. Verse 7 says, whoever has died is free from sin. Therefore, verse 12, something has changed in us and we need to respond. This is what the following is. Therefore, it says what? Don't let sin exercise dominion in your mortal body. Don't let sin exercise dominion in your mortal body. On the basis of having died to sin by, the, by faith in Christ, what happened to him happens to us. We now have to make a choice because it's saying, therefore, do not let something happen. Don't let sin have dominion in your body. We have to make a choice, friends. Right off the top in this scripture, we have to make a choice of who or what reigns or rules over our bodies, over our lives. Don't, it says. Therefore, do not let. Make the choice not to. Let sin exercise rule, dominion over your mortal body. This, it goes on to say, to make you obey their passions, passions of the flesh. When we make the choice to let sin exercise rule and domain over our mortal bodies, it'll make you obey the passions of your body. And our body craves sin. Our body, our, our hearts crave for wickedness. Think about it. E- even in the different parts of our body, our, our tongue, our mouths, our hands, our, our eyes, other parts of our body, we crave for wickedness. And it says, don't let sin have rule or dominion over your mortal body because it'll make you obey their passions. See, so often we make the, the, the illusion, we have the illusion, we think that, oh, sin, I'm in control of that. I decide of what I do and when I do. But you notice in the text here, it's saying, you know, if you let sin have dominion, rule and reign over your body, it'll make you, it will make you obey the passions of your flesh. It'll make you do that. We tend to think we're in control at all times, but this is not true, friends unchecked sin will run you around and it'll even run you into the ground. It'll make you obey. So what do we do? Well, verse 13 says, so no longer then, no longer present your members to sin. No longer present your members to sin. Now, when I hear that word present and, and members, you know, it's talking about body parts. I, I, I always think of that, you know, that military type thing where they're like, present arms, right? It's, it's not only present your arms, but it's like your legs, your head, your body, your mouth, you know, everything about you. But he is talking about members of your body, parts of your body, members of your body, but also the body as a whole. And we'll get to that in a little bit, like this idea that it's, it's individual parts of your body, but your body as a whole. That's what we want to give over to present 
here. We want to give the whole of your body. Every part of it is what it's saying. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness. No longer present your bodies. Present arms as instruments of wickedness. And this, this word instruments is a very interesting one. It's, it implies this idea of instrument, but also more like tool and even a forged weapon. The original word in the Greek is hapla. It's kind of fun to say if you want to say it out loud, hapla. That's instruments. And again, we translate it in English here as instrument, but it really implies like tool or even like military-type weapon. Presents arms, right? And this word uh, wickedness that we see in our translation, actually I think a, a better word for it is unrighteousness. There's a reason because later in the passage when it talks about righteousness, it's actually the same word with just an anti in it. So it's the idea, don't lo no longer present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Now, what does that mean that our hopla, our instruments, that our, that our body could be a tool or even a weapon of wickedness or unrighteousness? What does that even mean? Well, that means, again, we have to make a choice. Are we presenting our body over to be ruled by sin? And when that happens, we become tools, even offensive weapons in telling the wrong story on righteousness, a story of wickedness. It's fascinating, again, that our hopla, that when we become an instrument, a hopla, it's both a tool and a weapon of offense for a story of unrighteousness. This is what happens when we let sin rule, have dominion over our mortal bodies. Whew. The text goes on, though, with a very... Uh, Small word, but a very powerful word. Right after this, it says, but. Now, before I go on, but is such a powerful word. It's a word of repentance. It's saying, here's the bad story. No longer present your bodies to serve the wickedness which obey your flesh. It's going to lead you around. It's going to run you around. But there's a choice we have to make. And this word but here is very powerful. It's a pivot word. It's telling us to repent, change direction. Instead, do something different, but instead, present yourselves to God. Present yourselves to God. And you notice, even as the phrasing goes on, it doesn't quite get yet to, to the individual members as a whole. It's saying, present all of yourself over to God. This is the choice we have to make. This is actually the right choice that we have to make. We can choose to let sin have rule and dominion and reign over our body, but we have a choice to make. He says instead, but present your whole self over to God. This is the right choice. Now, at this point, you might ask yourself, well, why would I do that? Why would I do that? What makes God so worthy that I want to give control or rule or reign of my body over to him? Why would I trust God to run or have rule or reign over my body? What has he done for me? Well, the text goes on smartly to tell us that. But it says, present yourselves over to God. Why? Because we are those who have been brought from death to life. Present yourselves to God, he says, as those who have been brought from death to life. Don't you remember? We were dead in our sins. And God still loved us. 
And even before we were in a, a, a spiritual condition to be able to love him back, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to set us free from our sins. And he was raised from the dead to show us that sin and death have no power over us anymore. And as we saw in the text previous, and we've been talking about the last several weeks, we too have died to our sin by faith in Christ, and we now live. This is a choice we have to make. And again, what happened to him, Christ, happened to us by faith. And we have died to sin. Sin has no more power over us, so you present all of yourselves back to God. Now, that's again the choice we have to make. We're either ruled or living under the rule or reign of God who loves us so much, or we are ruled and reigned by our sinful nature. The wages of that which are death. So what happens? What happened to Jesus when he died to sin and was raised happens to us by faith. We were dead. Now, when did that happen? How was that? Because I've been alive my whole life. Even before I came to Christ, I was, I was moving around. I was alive. What does that mean? I was dead. See, in Scripture, you always have to understand that our present condition, it, it mirrors our future state, right? So how we, how we are, our present condition is reflected in our future state. We were walking dead. We were alive and loved, but our destiny was death. We were going to die in our sin and our trespasses, but God loved us so much that our present condition is reflected now in our future state. And so now that's why we have this gift of eternal life that starts now. It's our future state, yes, but we get to live it now. We're alive in Christ. Verse 13 then. No longer present yourselves to sin as instruments, tools, weapons of wickedness or unrighteousness, but present yourself, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Thank you, God. And now present your members, all of your body parts, together as one to God, as hopla, instruments, tools, weapons of a different story of righteousness. Present your members, all of your body, over to God as instruments for righteousness. That means we have to give our body and every part of us over to God for the sake of building up and even battling for entering into the fight for his kingdom and his right story in the world today. This is a choice we have to make. God, here is all of me. Take me and use me to tell a different story. Now, maybe you're thinking uh, uh, what I might be thinking at the time. And you might be asking yourself, well, wh wh can I really do that? Can I really give all of myself over to God? I mean, I'm not good enough. I'm for sure going to fail, right? What is my assurance that if I give myself over to God as a tool of righteousness, that I'm not going to be really embarrassed or fail? The answer, of course, is right here in the text. Verse 14, it says, For sin will no longer have dominion, rule, or reign over you. Since you're no longer under law, you're not under the law. You're under grace. 
See, when we're under the law, we always have that sense of impending conviction that I don't think I'm doing this right. In fact, I'm sure I'm not doing this right. And maybe I tried to give all of myself, but I, oh, I feel like I keep holding parts back. See, when we feel that sense of guilt and conviction all the time, that means we're under law. But we're not under law. We're not run by that anymore. We give ourselves fully over to God. We're under grace. We're under grace. And which is a much greater power. Because it comes with grace, everlasting love, and always, always mercy and assurance. No longer under the law, but under grace. So again, when the scripture tells us to present our members, our body parts, individually speaking, but also not separate, I can't just give them my arm and hold back my leg, I can't give them my eyes and not give them my fingers, it's really the wholeness of me, all the individual parts together, not separate, but presented as a whole to God without reservation. Here's all of me, all of my parts, God, okay? All of who we are should be presented back to God to be used for his glory and to build up his kingdom. That's what the text is calling us today. All of who we are should be presented back to God for him to use for his own glory and to build up his kingdom. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, which we said is kind of the seed of our passion and our drive, our mind, which is like our our will and our intellect. Last week, we talked about the soul, that eternal part of it, that part of us, that life force that's eternally oriented. And now we start to talk about the body. And some of you have asked, and I loved hearing the questions this week. Wait, so what does that mean? Like, what about our spirit? Is that different? You know, are we heart, mind, and spirit? Is that separate from our soul? Or is our soul a separate part of our body? Are we spirit and flesh? A few of you have asked that question. I think it's great. One thing I would tell you for sure is we cannot and should not ever try to divide the image that God has given us into separate parts. And and people do ask, do we have then like a spirit and a soul and a body? Are we, do we have like three different parts of us? Or is it two parts? Is it like a spirit slash soul and a body? W- what is it? And I'll remind you that it isn't about that we have those things. It's, it's really about who we are. Who we are. In the image of God, we are spirit, soul, and body together. That's who we are. We're spirit and soul and body together. This is the image that God has given to us so that we can present ourselves back in full to him as instruments of his righteousness. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. We are spirit and soul and body, an image given to us by God so that we can present ourselves back to him to be instruments of his righteousness, his right story. I love how uh, third and fourth century theologian Augustine put it this way. A Christian, he said, should be and hallelujah from head to toe. A Christian should be one big hallelujah in every part from head 
all the way to toe. Every part of us should radiate with the glory of God. Here I am, God, spirit, soul, body, all of me dedicated to you to build up and nurture your kingdom. So then what does it look like for us to live resurrection with our bodies, being presented to God as instruments of righteousness. What does that even look like, Simon? What does that look like if we were to say, okay, yes to that. I'm going to give myself, all of me, over to God as a tool, maybe even a weapon of war for righteousness. What does that look like? I'm going to give you three ways, three ways that we can start living resurrection in our bodies today. Ready? Okay. Number one, pretty simple. It begins with giving yourself over to God. Giving yourself over to God. Now, this is a daily decision. This is a daily decision that we have to make. It's a daily decision we have to make because our default, if we don't make a choice to give ourselves over to God each day, our default is going to be conceding to our sinful nature. This is what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 9. Verse 23, when he said to them, Hey, if any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. This is a reminder, friends, when we say carry that cross every day, it's our reminder that we have died to our sinful nature. It has no power us anymore. You want to see proof? Here's my cross. I carry it every day. And it has no power over me because I've been raised from the dead. By the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, we now have living in us so that, that has, our sin no longer has power over us. Which is why I keep saying what happened to him has happened to us by faith. So our daily decision that we have to make is to give ourselves over to God. Now I'm going to clue you in on what I think is probably the most dangerous prayer you can ever pray. It's very short, easy to remember, but it's very dangerous. And I'll tell you what it is. The most dangerous prayer you can pray every morning. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Every day. I remember just after I came to faith, after I accepted that story that, wait, God loves me so much, he died for me and was raised from the dead so I could enjoy new life and, and not be terrified by, by my sinful nature and the threat of death, great. But I began to pray this very dangerous prayer daily. Here I am, Lord, use me. And it was amazing how quickly my, my passions and, and my, my, my sensitivities changed. You know, I was always a pretty, pretty selfish person. Still am in some ways. But I found myself starting to have care and compassion for people that I didn't even know. Like I'd see people on the street or hear about conditions and my heart would ache. And I was like, what is that weird feeling? And I just kept praying that prayer, Lord, here I am, use me. And it changed the way that I prayed. It was less about myself and my needs and wanting to be blessed more. And I started praying for others. He started using me to, to care for other people. I found myself like, giving things to people that I was like, what, what's going on? Why am I doing that? I found myself with a new urgency to share the story of my salvation with friends. 
and neighbors and even strangers. It's the most dangerous prayer you can pray. Lord, here I am. Use me, every part of me, my hands, my feet, my voice. I think that's what's so interesting even today in the church is we're seeing more of that. Even this week on, on social media, I saw more friends, more of the church uh, lending its voice to speak up for those who have been victimized by, by violence and racism and injustice. They were speaking up. And I see friends speaking out on behalf of those and saying, no, we, need to ha- we, need to, we can do better. We can have more of God's justice here. We're seeing that. Lord, here I am. Use me. He'll, he'll start to reframe your heart. You'll start to love him and love others as yourself. Now, maybe you're going to ask me right now, well, Simon, that, that, that sounds great, but man, can I just be neutral? Like, do I have to really choose between unrighteousness or wickedness and like righteousness? Can I just find a nice, comfortable path down the middle? You know, is that okay? I'll remind you, as I was reminded, I was considering that for myself, Revelation chapter 3, the church in Laodicea, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. And he says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Oh, Spirit says, I, I, I wish that you were either hot or cold. And sometimes people read that and they think, oh, that means that, you know, either you're, you're like hot for God or not, or you're cold against God. No, it actually doesn't mean, you know, make a choice. See, in, in, in the understanding here, cold water, cold water is refreshing. You know, come over to my house on a warm day, I'm going to give you you know, some, some clear water with some ice in it to refresh you. Hot water is helpful. It can clean things and purify things. So both are useful. One, like I said, cold for refreshing. Hot is good for purifying, for washing. Oh, the Holy Spirit says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. But because you're just lukewarm, which is just not good for anything. It's not refreshing. You can't really wash your dishes with it. Because you're lukewarm, I'm, I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. He goes on to say, but you say, oh, I, I'm, I'm rich, though. I'm prospered. I've been blessed. I, I don't need anything. Spirit says, don't you realize who you really are? You're wretched, and pitiable, and poor, and blind, and, and, and naked. I encourage you to buy from me gold, spiritual gold that's been refined in fire so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you to cover the shame of your nakedness from being seen. And, and then I'll put salve, check this out, put salve to open up your eyes so that you may see. I'm building a kingdom here, and I need workers and tools. Number two, give yourself over to God is number one. Number two, whew, you ready for this one? Give yourself a break. <laughs> give yourself a break. We have to know the difference, first of all, between being tempted and, and falling into sin, stumbling into sin, and being ruled by sin. Those are kind of two different things. You know, we're all tempted. We prayed just a moment ago the Lord's Prayer. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Keep me from sinning. Forgive my, let me be forgiven as I forgive those. But there's a difference between that and being ruled by sin. Do you remember in the text we read in Romans 6, 14, it says, We're no longer then under the conviction of the law. 
but we are under grace. So we're talking about chronic or even like habitual, willingful sin that we allow to take us off track and that hurts our witness. So give yourself a break a little bit. We're not saying you have to be perfect. Nobody is. I'm trying. It's failing. I'm failing at it terribly. What is sin then? Well, sin are those things that, that encourage us to do or to think that harm our relationship with God and with each other. Sin are those things that we do and we think that harm our relationship with God and each other, that stir up our pride. The things that we do or think in secret, even in the depths of our mind. So what it means to be ruled by sin practically, it would be to allow and even justify my anger or to justify and allow an addiction to continue to flourish. It would be to justify and allow my coveting and my pursuit of worldly stuff. It would be to, uh, to uh, allow and even justify my lust unchecked. It would be to allow and justify my sense of pride. But here's some good news, friends. Whenever, whenever we find ourselves convicted by our own sin, we can always repent. God is always waiting for you. We can always choose this day to turn away from those things and to ask God for his forgiveness, to confess our sins, ask God and accept his forgiveness, which we don't deserve, but he gives it to us anyway. And it's an overwhelming story of grace and love, and he gives you permission to start walking new again. Here I am, Lord, today. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Third thing, how do we experience resurrection in our body today? We give praise and thanks to God. You present yourselves as hopla, as instruments, as tools, even weapons of God's right story. I love what it says in Psalm 140, 149. You see it on the screen there. One of the best weapons that we can carry into the daily battle is our worship. What song are we singing right now? What song are we say, or speaking out every day? Is our worship contained here to church, to these kind of casts on a Sunday, maybe a Thursday night? Or is, is worship a weapon that we use every day? A few of you are making use of the, the like and the hearts and, and things like that, and I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Is, is God good? Is God good? Yes, he is. Is God merciful? Yes, he is. Is God just? Yes, he is. You see, in our worship, our worship points us towards the forgiveness and grace that is only found in Christ which is one of the reasons that we stand because it's so awe and, awe, awe and amazing and, and that we raise our hands because we're just trying to grasp it, trying to receive it. But our worship then becomes that which was, is, is the way we point up towards God's forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ who died for our sins and was raised so that we have to fear that power no more. So we declare in our worship that we're no longer no longer under the law of sin. We no longer fear death. This has become our new song.
next week, part two, resurrection of the body, our eternal hope. I want you to tune in for that. But before we go and exercise ourselves in the battle of worship as an instrument of God's righteousness, let me pray for us, saying, here we are, Lord, hearing your call for us to give to you what is already yours, our hearts, minds, souls, all of our bodies and our hope. By your grace, you are inviting us to join you to be tools, even weapons of your righteousness. Forgive us, Lord, where we have given in to be instruments of unrighteousness and wickedness we have willingly obeyed the passions of our wayward hearts that are so hungry for, for wickedness, for evil. Lord, will you begin today to restore our whole selves back to you, spirit, soul, body. We give ourselves to you, God. Use us. We give away our guilt. We put on your grace. We thank you. We praise you, O oh Lord the new and eternal life you promised us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand right now and respond in worship. Turn it up nice and loud so everyone can hear you. Let's respond with the weapon of our worship. Let's sing our raise.